If you want to hear from an experienced leader who's not only started and built a number of companies on his own, but is also helping other companies go through transformations about what it takes to step into a leadership role and letting go of habits that made you successful as an individual contributor, then this episode is for you. On the show today, I'm joined by Jason Scott. Jason is a CEO, founder, speaker, author, instructor, and location independent nomad who's recognized as an expert in the transformational leadership space. He runs the Transformational Leadership Academy, where he leads a 14-week certification program. He runs a number of companies, as I said, and is very well-versed in the project management space. He has hired, he has seen, and he has probably fired a number of leaders throughout his career. And in his work today, he often talks to his leaders and the clients about what it means to succeed in leadership. In this conversation, we're going to talk about what it means to lead, what he wished he knew as a new manager, what challenges and struggles he actually sees a lot of managers struggle with as they transition into leadership or climb the ranks. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I know you will too. You'll get a ton of insights and hopefully new ideas and perspectives out of listening to this podcast episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Jason, welcome to the Manager Track podcast. Hey, Ramona, I'm super excited to talk to you today. I was just saying to you before we hit record that I was researching your background and it's like multiple rabbit holes I could go down on <laughs> to learn about you and what you do. But in your own words, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Oh my gosh. Yes, but talking about myself isn't my favorite I don't know how I got where I am today. I think I got where I am today just by trying things, being super curious and being willing to fail and never giving up. I grew up in a terrible neighborhood. As soon as I was old enough to join the military, I did. The Navy was super cool because they will let you do anything you're willing to volunteer for, no matter how dangerous it is. So I did. I learned a ton, like everything that I was interested in. I learned how to drive a giant ship, pilot a little boat. I learned how to drive a forklift. I learned how to weld. They let me become a naval rescue swimmer. They made me work for that one. That was like a good setup to where I went, which was project oriented or just helping other people get the things that they needed done done because the military is very mission focused they rotate us every couple of years into a different job you know once i got out i ended up in project management and it just sort of fit because i'd help somebody build something and then i'd get assigned something completely different and help them build that and that's essentially how i get into the transformational outcome business but now you also do a lot of work with leaders what does that look like so, I mean, at the end of the day, nobody hires a leader because they want their organization to be the same in a month, six months, or a year. And being a leader is completely different than being an individual contributor. And so most people, before they're leaders, they're individual contributors, and they get promoted because they do a great job getting the job done, coming up with great ideas, executing those great ideas. 
And then they get their first team. And the sad part is in that very moment, everything that they've learned up until that point is no longer useful to them. Mm -hmm. Leading is exactly the opposite of doing. And your job as a leader then is to enable your stakeholders to define and deliver the necessary and expected results. Like leaders are in the business of building winning teams. There's actually some beauty in that. I've taken over my career a ton of turnaround projects where the teams were not getting the necessary or expected results and their morale is terrible. They were working weekends. They get yelled at for picking up their phones during dinner. And so when we turn the project around and by that, like I'm the leader, but I'm not the one doing the work. My job is to help them architect their own roadmap to success. And that's totally different than doing or even telling, right? And so once we turned it around and the team was winning, they were happy. They had greater quality of life. No team building necessary. Like when you're on a team that's winning, you feel like a part of something. When you're on a team that's losing, you don't want to be a part of it. You want to disassociate with it, right? So I kind of laugh a lot when people are like, oh, you know, we want to bring in a consultant, usually me. And we'd like Mm -hmm. you, Jay Scott, to do like a team building exercise. And I'm like, I could do that or I could just help you guys get the results that you want. And we'll just call that a team building exercise because they will feel like a team when they are delivering the necessary and expected results. I love how you said as a leader, it's all about creating winning teams as the main headline. When you're talking about these things and even the way that you framed it as I help them architect the roadmap to success for the people listening who are now saying, okay, sounds great, but what actually do you mean, Jason? Oh, it's so look like? it's like an interview in the transition that we've been experiencing for the last 10 or 15 years, where society has realized that the, in business, the command and control, I tell you do model isn't very mm-hmm. effective. It's super effective if you just need people to do rudimentary things and not think. But in today's environment, we have to constantly infatuate our consumers blow their minds. Innovation is the word of the day, right? And in order to create innovations or new ways of working or doing or being, we need a bunch of people to come together and commit their intellectual horsepower to these endeavors. And so back to how do I then help them architect their own roadmap to a shared goal? It's really easy. I, I, I come in and I say, or the leader, and this is very important. We'll talk about the difference between a leader and a boss in a second. So the leader says, we have to solve this problem here's why it's important to us. And that could be anything from, we're gonna go to the moon and back in the next decade, or, hey, we're gonna replace our globally disparate financial systems. We're like a large global company and in each country we've got a different financial system and we wanna bring them all into one system that makes a lot more sense for us. We can handle our data, like all the things that you read about these days. So Mm -hmm. I'm gonna set the expectation, establish the goal. And that's where I'm no longer the expert. I then need to look at my experts, find the right people that have the right expertise bring them onto the team by verifying that they have the right expertise and then asking them how they would accomplish this thing. And so it really starts by, hey, Ramona, I think we need to do this thing. Do you agree? When you agree, we do and we should and there's value in it. I'm going to say, is this in your lane? And when you say, yes, this is exactly in my lane. These are the problems that I solve. I'm going to say, okay, do me a favor and walk me through how you're going to do it. Like an Mm -hmm. interview, just like you're doing with me right now. And then I'm going to listen. Now, a couple of keys to this. I'm not listening, thinking, is this how I would do it? I want mm-hmm. to help you f- figure out, Ramona, how you would do it, because the way that I would do it is optimized for me. Yeah. The way that you would do it is going to be optimized for you. More importantly, I'm helping you architect your roadmap, which we're always more excited about than somebody else's roadmap, to accomplishing 100%. this shared mm. goal, right? So I'm listening, and I'm thinking, do I understand how this will work? Now, we've been taught 
as the manager, we judge it. This will or this won't work. This is our whole job mm -hmm. to be the decider when in fact, this is actually not true. When I realize I don't think the thing that you're describing is going to get us there, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, I don't understand. Here's what I hear you saying. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand, which is different than that won't work. First, yep. that won't work shuts down the conversation. Two, it's an assumption. Because how yeah. many times in my life have I thought something wasn't going to work? And then it did, <laughs> right? Like, surprise. So humility is also yeah. good leadership in that I'm going to say, hey, Ramona, I don't understand. Help me understand. You're going to be happy too. And then I'm going to ask questions. You're going to help me find what I might be missing. And somewhere in the conversation, you're going to give me a piece of information that makes the path forward clear, your path forward clear. Or I'm going to ask a question or I'm going to share my thought on something or challenge you to say, well, if you do that, might this happen? And you know, you might go, Ooh, I didn't see that. And you get a piece of information mm -hmm. and then you just change course. Well, based on this new piece of information, J.I. would do it this way. And now I'm like, I see it. And so now we're aligned. It's not about me telling you how to do it or you coming up with whatever you want to do. It's about us as a team working, me as the interviewer mm -hmm. to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And the end of this, we have all the unicorns that Inc. and Forbes magazine tells us as leaders we need to do. I've stitched you up for success because we both think it's going to work. We're both very yep. comfortable. It's your roadmap. So you're very comfortable with it. You work through it. I help you think deeply through it, right? You're committed. It, we're told as leaders, we assign the work. In this narrative, did I assign anything? No, I asked you. And by the way, when somebody commits to something freely, that's a good commitment. That's what we're looking for as leaders. Mm -hmm. So like I said, we have alignment. I've set you up for success. Uh, and more importantly, that's also what teamwork looks like, right? Because I may be the leader in this particular narrative, but I'm also a member of the team. And, and that's the cool thing about the difference between a boss and a leader is that leadership isn't appointed. I mean, as a manager, we have authority because we hire and we fire and we could decide who gets the bonuses and who gets the pay raises. And we could use our authority to motivate outcomes, except for it's not very motivating. I always ask groups of people like, remember the boss that made you feel like your job was to work really hard so they could be successful? And then I ask people to blurt out like one word emotion for how they felt. It's always negative. Yeah. And then I'm like, remember that person that like who, who you knew you worked for, but like you felt like you were working alongside them. They, they gave you critical feedback. It made you feel good. Like, how did you feel always positive? Mm -hmm. So as a manager, we can, instead of using our authority, we can motivate with uh, influence or just like I just said, great teamwork, like, okay, mm -hmm. help you explore how you're going to get something done. And the coolest thing there is a manager can do that, but then just anybody on the team. Like, so there's times where I have the authority. I'm the founder of the company. I'm the CEO. And I have team members come to me and say, Jay, we should do this. And I'm like, yes, we should. Because I loved it because I got it because they told me why. And I thought it was beautiful. And so who's a leader in that moment? They are. They are. And then probably also the subject matter expert, because how do you think we should do this? Yep. <laughs> and then get, get to leading. Yeah. And my favorite comparison is Martin Luther King. Nobody appointed him the leader of the human rights movement in the United States. Yeah, he didn't interview you. Oh my gosh. So much that you shared here that was um, incredibly powerful. And I took some notes for myself too. There were like real gold nuggets and quotes that I want to highlight. One of the things that you shared earlier was... First off, you said what's what is like amen, right? When an IC gets promoted into leadership, the things that got them there are not the things that are going to make them successful as a leader. And it's like the message, even a lot of people get this intellectual, it's like, oh, it's nice to hear, but they still go and act and work from this mindset that 
you know, being the go-to person and being the one who has the ideas and all the answers is making them a good leader. And so not just on intellectual understanding that, but really acting from that place is very different in a day-to-day role. Totally. And and I here's the thing. I did the same thing. I heard that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and looking back, I'm so frustrated by that. Like that, that saying, what, what got you here isn't going to get you there because it didn't serve me. Like I heard it and I was like, totally, I get yeah. it. And then, <laughs> and then I did exactly as a new manager as I did as an individual contributor, right? Like, yeah. and so I heard it. And here's the thing. I really think it's more helpful to explain what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. We know what it looks like to be an individual contributor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I like to talk about the active listening. It's like an interview, right? Really mm-hmm. describe the process. It looks totally different. So if we can give more examples of what individual contributorship looks like and what good leadership looks like, I think that's much more powerful, that picture that we can paint in people's heads than it is, totally. you know, these these cool sayings, like what got you yeah. here won't get you there. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I focus a lot on the leadership system in my work with really developing the routines and the habits. There's something to say about the behaviors, right. And the principles. And even, I think, you know, in my book, I talk about, and generally a lot of my work is around mindset shifts because it takes a different mindset to think, you know, I get a lot of job satisfaction out of being the go-to person or being the one who gets work done to then seeing like, okay, now I get a lot of job joy from seeing other people get work and then I don't get anything done on my to-do list. And that change, that requires a shift in in our perspective, a shift in our mindset and our identity and so much that we have to make that switch in order to be successful leaders. It's super significant. In fact, the reward system, our neurochemistry reward Mm -hmm. system changes. Mm-hmm. When you're an individual contributor and you're getting that satisfaction from getting things done, your brain is rewarding you with dopamine, yep. which is one of the four neurochemicals that make us feel good. Mm-hmm. Feeling happy or satisfied because you helped others succeed is serotonin, not dopamine. So literally the reward system changes. And it, I like to tell people it's like tantamount that when you're like a whiskey drinker, you're like whiskey, not <laughs> vodka, whiskey. And when you're like a vodka drinker, you're like, no, vodka not whiskey. And really going from individual contributor to leader is like switching off your, you know, whiskey for vodka, et cetera. It's almost like you have to go to rehab to become Whoa. an effective leader. Yeah. It's really it kind of messed up. Taste buds and like go through the discomfort of like starting to learn how to like vodka. <laughs> Right. And I'll tell you, I, I, I have, I have celiac, so I can't have wheat and I was diagnosed at 40 and I'm almost 50 and I was a whiskey drinker, but whiskey's made with wheat. So I couldn't have it. And so now my go-tos are like tequila and rum and here 10 years later, you'd think I was fine with it. And I am not, I am not, it's hard. You know, the first obstacle for ICs to manager is they have to give up the thing that's been driving them. Totally. Oh my gosh. I've, I've used a bunch of analogies for that transition, but that one I've never heard. I love it. <laughs> Trying to learn to love, right? Learn to love a different reward system. So good. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first 
learn what should go into a leadership system, and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at RamonaShaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to RamonaShaw.com slash one one to get started right now. There was something else that you said. I want to quickly emphasize this. You said to recognize that my approach is just my approach and it's not their approach. And I think this, this is really important because oftentimes we operate from this mindset that our approach is the right approach. Like I know, and I can see clearly, this is the way we're going to go. And this is the right way to go. It's definitely one of my biggest pitfalls as a new manager that I thought, well, this is just the way you do things. And it's the best way. And I did not recognize that while we are very similar as humans, there's also so much of cognitive diversity and different strength that if we pretend or assume that we know best, we completely miss the point and will miss the mark. And you highlighted that really beautifully in your story there. Yeah, right on. I mean, mm-hmm. we, sh- we shut down collaboration yeah. when we do that, you know, which is necessary for innovation. It, you know, leveraging the collective IQ is about looking at all the different stories. I, I think what you just described is so human, though. I, I feel like everybody can relate. Most of us that are successful that end up with a team, we do see a right way to do it. And here's another one of those cliches. There's no one right answer. There's no one right way to do everything. Again, I wish somebody had explained that to me because when I heard it the first time, I was like, yes. And then I thought my way was always the best way for like a really long time. (laughs) And so we don't have time to get into it today, but learning about our biases, learning about the ladder of inference, learning about confirmation bias really teaches us that the vast majority of our decisions are based on assumptions and very little on fact. And so there is room for multiple stories or multiple approaches to getting the things done. And back to, you said cognitive diversity, recognizing and even admitting that there's not just one right way to solve something also gives us space to realize that we're different in a really great way. I don't know why everybody wants to fit in. Like we're different in a great way. And therefore, if I give people space to approach things the way that they would to solve one, just observing makes me better Yeah. because I'm learning. I'm learning, oh my gosh, here's this approach that my brain never would have come up with. How, how many times in a week do you hear somebody talk about how they would solve something and you go, oh my God, I never would have thought of that. Mm, yeah. Like I never would have thought of that. Like the way that my brain works, it would not have occurred to me. And yet now that they've said it out loud, it's so obvious. It enhances the leader because it fills our toolkit with things that our brains wouldn't have been able to come up with. Mm-hmm. And again, it allows the individual to optimize the approach to their strengths. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a moment because I can hear the voices of, you know, listeners, <laughs> clients of mine who sort of push back at times on this approach because they say, let's assume someone is in a startup. It's very fast paced, a lot of initiatives running at the same time, limited resources and constantly having to justify or optimize for their performance and the performance of the team or the productivity. 
And if they think, well, I've built this or I know exactly what the answer should be when I look at a problem or when an employee or direct report brings a problem to me. And now you're saying I should create alignment or help them create a roadmap. Well, I don't have the time for that. Like I should already be in two other meetings and I, I already know what's the right way to go. So what's the answer to that? There's so many answers. First and foremost, this goes back to this being human in that I don't have the time. I know how to do it. This is generally speaking, fear of failure driven. And so here we all are responsible for a team, which means that we can't do it by ourselves. So that's the first thing. First, all of these people that are like throwing stones maybe at what I'm saying, have to recognize that whatever it is that they want to accomplish, if they could do it by themselves, they would have, because that's way simpler Mm -hmm. than pulling together and leading a team. So we become leaders because we want to accomplish something greater than ourselves. Now, if you can accomplish that thing by hiring people that you don't need to think, then do that and then tell them what to do. But again, there lies the conundrum because that doesn't scale. Having Mm -hmm. a lot of hands doesn't scale as far as having a lot of minds that are capable of executing. So then this comes back to the fallacy of, I'm in control, I'm the smartest person in the room. Again, you might be the smartest person in the room, but you are definitely not smarter than all five people combined in any room. Mm -hmm. And so this is a story that you tell yourself, you don't have time, if they just do it my way, it'll be fine, except for, Whenever I challenge people on that, how often that that has worked out to be true, they're trying to be efficient and in being efficient, they create drag Mm -hmm. because they just tell somebody how to do it and that somebody hasn't thought through it, hasn't experimented with it, right? Hasn't architected their own roadmap. And so the second they encounter an obstacle, they're right back to you. Mm -hmm. And so you've made yourself the bottleneck and we all know what bottlenecks do. They slow things down. So we can be efficient with things, but with human beings, the slow way, generally speaking, connecting with them, helping them figure out how you're going to do it ends up being the fast way because you're not just going to get a better outcome the first time. You're going to get a better outcome every time. More importantly, you're building this person to a point where they'll know everything that you know, plus everything that they know. And every day that I graduate somebody on my team to being better than me, because I'm stagnating, my job is to be the leader. Mm-hmm. I'm not the smartest person on my team anymore. I'm not the most, you know, as far as subject matter expertise goes, like I've got people in marketing, sales, engineering, project management, product management, right? Like I couldn't be the master of all of those things. And so my whole job is to make them better, faster, and stronger than me. And then when my customers are like, Jay, dude, I cannot believe how much you get done. I can laugh and say, it's not me. I have a team. They're my superpower. So building your team is a superpower. And just saying like for someone who has run so many different companies and does so many different things, including launching a new outdoor equipment company just recently, that means something because you couldn't do all this, right? Without having built the people who now run the show in many different areas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with Next Jump, the Next Jump Outfitters, the company that you just referenced, I obviously am, have a passion for outfitting the trucks and the trailers and the boats, but that was a hobby and I have a 120BC to run. And so I needed my first hire to be a mechanic, somebody that knew how to work on the trucks and the trailers. But it was really important to me that, that it was somebody that knew how to do that, that 
and they come with tools. It's amazing. Different industries, the things that they come with. <laughs> Austin, this guy that I hired, he's got like $22,000 worth of like tools. But I needed somebody that wanted to be a leader, that wanted to build something. And so on day one, what are we doing? He and I, it's just, you know, we're tearing down walls. Like we were working with the contractors to get him to get it rebuilt. He's been with me for months now and he hasn't put his hands on a wrench. Right. And yeah. he's excited because I, from day one, I trust him. We talk, we align, yeah. we come up with a plan together. He's executing and he's so far outside of his comfort zone and excited to come to work every day. Oh, and he's excited at some point to get his hands on a wrench, but <laughs> I didn't hire a mechanic. I hired a leader that knows how to work on vehicles. And then together we're going to hire the next team member or the next leader. And so at the end of the day, my focus is never just to hire people with subject matter expertise. It's always to hire the next leader yeah. in my organization because then yeah. I scale. Yeah. And I think that's something that every leader, regardless of where they are in the rank or where they are across the organization, or if it's in a small business, their own business, that's a big question to ask. Who is it going to be the next leader? Really building up everyone and developing for leadership. So thanks for giving a very convincing argument here in terms of <laughs> my question of what the pushback is. So people say, well, I don't have the capacity or the time to ask and align and be curious and so forth. I just need to tell people what to do. But sometimes when people ask me this, I say, I get it. You know, this is where you're at. But what you'll likely find is two years down the road, the latest could be six months from today or a year, you'll run into a time management and scalability issue. Like you said, people will keep coming back. If you find yourself in a situation where your direct reports are constantly asking you questions or are procrastinating on work that you've delegated to them, it's likely because they had no say in it Yep. and they weren't trained and developed to think on their own. And so yep. you're constantly the bottleneck and that creates a scalability issue, but it creates first and foremost, the most painful is usually for leaders to recognize I have a time management issue. Right. Because it's funny. I hopefully gave the intellectual response, but when you <laughs> said, you know, I don't have time to do that. My uh, old Jay, you know, mm -hmm. military Jay wanted to be like, how's that working for you? Yeah. Like, how's that working for you? And if you keep doing what you're doing, you never will because the way that you're working is optimized for the outcomes that you're getting today. And if you're feeling like you're too busy and you're overwhelmed to do these things, the only way you're going to get different results is if you operate differently. So, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe try doing what Ramona advises. Yeah. And what, what Chase beautifully explained just now, um, this is really awesome. I wanted to ask you as we sort of close um, the conversation, if you think about first time managers and going through this transition into leadership, what is it that you wish all of them would know on day one? Like what's something that you say on day one, here's the letter to you or the quote to you. Keep that in mind as you learn yeah. the ropes of leadership. Leadership isn't about you. It's not about me. It's never about the leader. When we decide to take on a team and lead a team, the key performance indicator is that we enable them to define and deliver the necessary and expected results. We're playing for them. Mm -hmm. When they're successful, we're successful. Now, that creates a serious conundrum because at least for me and the vast majority of people that go from being an individual contributor to having the first team, imposter syndrome is just wrecking them. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't realize it's imposter syndrome, they're at least terrified because now they have a team and they don't want to go backwards. And the number one priority in their lives is to be successful. And so I've just told the person who has this team that needs to be successful, that it's not about them. 
And here's the thing, that need to be successful is about them, mm-hmm. right? You're playing for you. When you're like, I have to be successful, you're playing for you. So what I advise is let that go, let it go. Mm-hmm. Know that you're not gonna be the best leader on day one, mm-hmm. but if you play for you, you will be the worst leader on day one. Oh, so good. Yeah. Amen. Once we hold on, when we think it's about the success and the success is tied to me, just putting myself in the shoes or in that mindset, it immediately makes me want to control everything, right? I want to control the narrative. I want to control the people. I want to control what we're doing and when we're doing it. And in a remote environment, I want to know when they're working and make sure that I get the status updates and yeah, because then it's about me and making sure I look good and I'm successful. And that's not what leaders do. Yeah, it's not uh, what leaders do. Yeah. We hire leaders to take our team members on a journey because we don't want our organization to be the same in a month, six months, or a year. Yeah, that brings it back to what you said in the very beginning. Wow, I thank d- you so much. I was much. trying yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> A nice wrapping to this, a nice bookend. Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing this and, and talking about your own examples and, and lessons learned from leading different industries and a range of different roles. You have a lot going on. So where would you say if someone says like, hey, I want to know more about Jason, where where do you want them to go? Where should I learn more about you? Oh, gosh. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out 120VC. That's the company that enables people to get the transformational outcomes that they're hoping for. It's our leadership company. Um, I always struggle with this, the answer to this question. Or check out Next <laughs> Jump Outfitters if you're into like outdoor adventure. <laughs> yeah. We got options. We do like a drop down and then. Um, right. What is it? I've got books for sale <laughs> on Amazon. Like, yeah. Totally. Um, let's start with LinkedIn and with 120VC. Sounds perfect. Yeah. 120VC. Yeah, Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jason. Oh, my pleasure, Ramona. What a fun conversation. Zoom high five. High five. Yay. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident Incompetent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at ramonashaw.com slash masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.